0: got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman,
1: Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and
0: many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media, March 5th, on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective.
1: It is. Hello, everyone. How are you doing out there in Niche Fish Podcast Land? This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. My name is Brian Brinkman. We've got Jonathan, Megan, and somewhere returning to us at some time, Mr. RJB. <laughs> he should be back. We can see his room, we know he's coming back. For all of you listening, we're looking at a blank slate of RJ's space right now. An empty no chair. Way. An empty Cheryl's chair.
3: Wait,
4: here he come comes. Start talking to it.
0: There he is.
3: It RJ. Hey
0: guys. What hey. an intro. Thank up. you. Thank you so much. How are you? <laughs> I'm great.
1: Good, good, good. It I is, went to a uh, concert
0: last night and I'm so tired. I still have those? I can't do anything without being so tired.
3: Yeah.
1: I had that experience this weekend. I went to back-to-back concerts, and then a close friend of ours kept me out until 2 o'clock in the morning. Somehow I got talked into playing pool at 1.30 at night on Saturday, which just does not happen in my life at this point in time. And then I had to get up at 3.30 to take care of two puppies. Oh, no. And then I took oh. myself into a baseball game, and I went to bed at 8.30. It was Father's Day, I had right? fun, I'm though, tired I from
4: hearing that story.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I think I'm still exhausted from experiencing it, just like RJ. We're both just exhausted.
4: Right now.
3: Well, happy Father's Day to all three of you. I hope you all Thank had you. a really nice day.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I did almost nothing, so I did have perfect. Just That's perfect. Me, Is
1: that your ideal day?
4: Almost. I mean, I, I, I hung out with my kids, they made me breakfast hung out with them a little bit. And I came up here and into this very room and worked on some music. It was great. It's perfect.
1: I drove out to the airport in the morning and then drove back, which is strangely one of my favorite things to do because the highway on Sunday morning in Denver is quiet and it was a clear day and the mountains looked pretty. And I listened to some music and I came home to my favorite breakfast burritos and donuts and another pot of coffee. Which all felt was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. And then I went to a baseball game.
4: Sounds all right.
3: Sounds nice.
1: Megan, did you have, as the wife of a father, did you have a good Father's Day? We celebrated you. I, I said it terribly you again. Did. I, I did a horribly. <laughs> I, I don't know how to how to. You
3: horrible. always make it more complicated than it really is.
2: Did the you have a good Father's Day? Fa- wife
4: of <laughs> a father, how did how did Father's Day go in your house? As
3: a wife. Of a father. <laughs>
0: Technically true. Technically,
4: accurate. I
3: mean, it's true. Yeah. yeah it's but absolutely nobody true. Nobody would say it that way. Just, just, just
1: not, not needed to be said the way that it did. I'm just <laughs> telling us this, this sort of stuff every time. How was your husband's Father Day? Father's Day?
3: It was great. We were in Vermont, actually. We went up to Manchester, Vermont this weekend and we saw some of our really good friends and it was just an awesome family hang weekend. We went to an adventure park yesterday. We had really, really great food. Food in Vermont is so good. And yeah, we just had a great weekend, great beers, good time hanging out with good friends. So he had a great Father's Day.
4: Was the park an adventure?
3: It was freezing. It was 57 with like a lot of wind. So we were all like pulling coats out of our cars and like wrapping ourselves around. But the kids loved it, did some treetop climbing we rode like an Alpine coaster. It was fun. It Sounds was fun. Like an adventure. It was. Sweet. It was really nice. Yeah, it was a good weekend. It was really fun. Sounds amazing, RJ.
1: How was your Father's Day?
0: It was pretty good. Um, I went to I went to pick up our car from our friend's house that we had left there the day before, which was an excuse for me to walk for hours. And on the way, I stopped at the record store and came back, and then went to a concert. So it was it was pretty great chill day
3: nice sounds nice um
0: the man music center where i saw the disco biscuits was great there. like they just they debuted a bunch of new songs and um everyone was having a blast i saw a bunch of people who thanked me for osiris and hf pod and it was a it was a jolly jolly day
3: love it that's love awesome it.
1: that sounds amazing well Today we are talking about a show that, exi- that occurred on Father's Day weekend. Eighteen years prior, we are revisiting for the first time since I, I don't know when the last time you guys talked two thousand four on HF Pod was.
4: I can tell you there was a lot of table thumping, um, <laughs> and we had an excellent guest. I think that's the last time. His name is Wade he's a trip and he has strong opinions he does all of 2.0 i think it was a two-parter with on 2.0 with him if i mm. remember correctly. i hung out with him yesterday he's one does of the sound, people does that sound right rj 2 parter yeah. with him yeah yeah it was it was a, it was a trip
1: i would argue that's not enough parts
4: i would argue that might be <laughs> one and a half too many <laughs> Different ways. I'm of on Jonathan's
3: it. team. I'm on Jonathan's team on this one. There's
4: some good 2003 stuff, but unfortunately, that's not what we're here to talk about.
3: We're <laughs> not here to talk about 2003. I
1: agree with you entirely. There's uh, there some great 2003 stuff. We're here to talk about a run that I find fascinating uh, for a number of reasons, and I. I'm under the impression that I forced the team to listen to. I feel as though I put everybody in a situation where they had to listen to music against their will over the last couple of days. And we're going to talk about that music and it's going to be interesting. We're going to see how we
2: all feel. Should we do it?
3: We should do it. But before we do that, um, we just want to recognize too that it is actually a holiday today. And it's a holiday that has just become a national holiday, and it's very long overdue. It's Juneteenth, and I think it's just one of those times that we all need to remind ourselves that we, there's a lot of work to be done to understand our own implicit bias and systematic racism and our roles in that and things that we have done willingly and unwillingly to contribute to that. So it is our job to educate ourselves, and this is just a good day to remind yourself about that.
2: Yeah, well, thank sir. you, Megan. Agree. Thank you. Agree with that. Um, let's talk quickly about
1: our friends at Sunset Lake CBD, which has a line of smokable hemp products that are for the old deadhead or the young fish fan. Anyone in between. The old deadhead that may not like 2.0 fish, the young fish <laughs> fan may love. 2.0 fish. You never know. They 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 all they're they're, they're there for, for their own reasons. Kids these days. <laughs> Who is searching for the mellow for a mellow body high? Smoking C B D has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia or the anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there is something for everyone. The Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show. Cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. And all the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flower by shipping directly from their farm to your door. I utilized a lot of Sunset Lake CBD over the weekend, both to enhance the concert experience as well as to recover from the concert experience especially last evening when I got home after taking a near seven-year-old to a baseball game where 13 pitches in, he demanded a singular hat, and we had to go to five different stores in the ballpark and then went to go and buy a hot dog, just a hot dog, at a baseball game, and three different places were sold out. Thanks a lot, Joe. Um, And then we got back to our seats four innings later, and he wanted to play a video game. And then we went to catch a train to come home after the seventh inning. And we missed the train by literally steps. It was like, it was this hilarious no. joke on me day. And I went home and I told my wife all about it. And she was like, let me just take the kids for a walk. You hang out for a little bit. And I got to put on 620 2004 set two and enjoy some cherry abacus and relax and have a Is great, this still the great hour.
3: This is, still, this the is still the ad somehow. All of this is to tell you.
1: All of this is to tell you that Sunset Lake CBD <laughs> oh is an amazing company that has an amazing product, both for the old deadhead the cranky old deadhead who may not like 2.0 fish or the Young Fish fan who loves 2.0 fish. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code HFpod. Not HFpod 2.0, but you know maybe we'll get them to do that next time. For 20% off all products, Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned and Vermont
0: grown. Can I just, Brian, I'm so sorry to to stretch this out, but I went to this... I went to this went to this show last night, came home, went to bed at like 12, which is pretty late for me, you know, and I woke up at five because I'm like old, you know, sure. and I for like 10 minutes I laid in bed and was thinking if I go downstairs and get two Sunset Lake CBD gummies and eat them, I'll be able to go back to sleep. And I laid there in my bed and I was thinking I need to keep the Sunset Lake CBD gummies next to my bed.
3: Yes, in and your so bedside drawer. I'm going to
0: do that. Yeah. That's, That's where mine are. Really they have idea. to it stay is? there.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They have to I stay wish there. I have i
0: known this before.
1: Megan yeah. is ahead of all of us. They mm. were
0: out of hot dogs.
1: Out, like, out of hot this dogs. Is Three, a real stands. Thing. <laughs> Three
2: stands.
4: Three
1: stands. <laughs> I, I it was mean, amazing. Not cool. I just Even, started laughing oh, at the third one. I said, stand. Where do I go to get a hot dog at a baseball game? And then this
4: try the sushi stand.
1: <laughs> the part yeah. was my son started yelling at me about it and he was like we should have gone to get food earlier and i was like you realize we walked all the way around the entire stadium because you wanted a very specific hat I, I offered like six different things for him to buy no he wanted one very specific hat you know which it's I, a cool hat i expect i respect the reason that he he was dedicated to the game i get it i understand it
4: but, um, i don't blame him on the hat it's important to have the mm-mm. right hat you don't want to just yeah. wear
1: you can't hat. have the wrong hat now I, that's like, a very interesting point that maybe should be expanded upon in a different ad read but like <laughs> there are people that just have ha- have a hat like every one of my hats has purpose and has a rationale behind it and I can explain oh, yeah. why I, care. I don't just have a hat
4: gosh I wonder no. where he gets this <laughs> yeah that's a good point
0: I'm so glad that everyone is tuned in to to listen to today's episode which is about hats Look, it's been you know there's it's actually no hot
4: dogs as well <laughs> Plus, the Lack longer we of talk about bags. hats, the so less we have to talk about 2.0. Well, well
3: that's a let's good, go on the hat rabbit hole.
1: It's a good transitional point because today we are talking about not just 2.0 fish, okay? Mm. We are talking about 2000, June 2004 fish, um, a month that has a lot of meaning in my heart from a fish standpoint. And these two shows have a lot of meaning in my heart. I'm very excited. And I just want to say from out the gates, I'm very thankful for all of you for listening to these shows with an open heart and an open mind. And I'm really excited for Kevin Hogan to be here watching these because the only thing he's ever heard from these shows is the Piper. And we're going to tell him about everything else.
4: Yeah. There's like three other things you should check out.
3: (laughs) But they are kind of good. Those three things. I will give Brian that. I had a few moments with these shows. I, I had a few moments. I'm going to give you that, Brian. So I'm, I appreciated it.
0: 18, 18 years ago.
1: 18
2: years ago. Wow. Right
3: this now. is
1: the,
0: yeah. the beginning.
4: What? Second run of the tour. Still the beginning of the road to doom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's, well, before we put anything into any of this in the context, um, I want to ask you all just openly, this doesn't have to be before you listen to these shows, but just in general, what are your thoughts? Jonathan, I want to start with you because you are the loudest and most opinionated on this topic. What are your thoughts on 2004 Fish?
4: Honestly, I'm glad they stopped playing. If they were going to keep playing the way they were playing in 2004, better to stop. Uh, There are good jams, but they get thinner and paired, paired is not the right word, uh, outnumbered by songs that are poorly played. This is not at all the worst of it. This is probably about the best of it, 2004. 2004 um it just it really just goes downhill from here, like I didn't go to Vegas, so also vegas was worse than this but um but I saw a much worse show a little while later in the summer yeah i i I never go to listen to two thousand four except for this podcast
1: for work you it's the only reason you listen to two thousand I get paid for
4: this. I do this for kicks Megan it's it's not work Uh, just to say it's like I won't go so far as to call it work
1: fair point Megan what are your general thoughts on 2004 fish
3: no thank you and um, something's got to give you know it just reminds me of that time I think we're going to talk about it later, but it reminds me about like of when I saw the Grateful Dead in the end in like the mid nineties, like there just felt like the shoe was about to drop and it just makes me feel a little bit upset. Like there are good moments for sure, but it just makes me feel nervous listening to it.
4: Can I, can I ask you a question, Megan? Hmm? Does this, um, resurface maybe some past traumas? And I'm playing light with the word trauma because we are talking about jam band, entertainment, music. But does this resurface like some past negative feelings for you? Because it definitely does for me.
3: 100%. I mean, I think that's one of the moments that I had with one of these shows, actually, when I was listening to it and I was texting Brian about it. I just, um, and we'll talk about it maybe when we get there. But I went through a lot in the late, mid to late 90s, with friends who had a lot of problems with drugs and listening to Trey play these shows and thinking about Jerry in the mid-90s, it reminds me of someone on the edge of something really dangerous. And it just freaks me out. And yeah, it really does. I think that's actually kind of what it is. And sometimes it's actually kind of intense to listen to in a way that's really incredible. Some songs they play better, you know, some art is comes out great from a tortured soul. You know, some art just really does. Um, and you can hear that in some of this too, but it's still hard. It's really hard to listen to.
1: I think trauma is actually the right word. In, in a sense, from, from a fan perspective, and I think we'll get into this, but I think like the nervous energy you're talking about, about listening to these shows is ever present. And it, it, you get the sense, like, I have memories of seeing, saw five shows this year. And I remember every single show thinking that something really bad was going to happen without considering that something really bad was happening. And I think that's, that's something we'll talk about as well. Our, R.J., I think we've talked about 2.0 at times, but I'm curious, just generally speaking, what are your thoughts on 2004 fish?
0: Yeah. I mean, there are these like moments that are fun and, and interesting. Um, but it's just not like there's, there's so much more fished for me. That's fun and interesting that like, it just doesn't, it's not a place I go to. I, I do think that the decay and the disaster is like the easy part to hear. So I, I think that this going through back to these, I probably haven't listened to these shows in 10 years, um, maybe five years, but I think going back is the the harder stuff to find is what's good. You know, like it's easy to hear what's wrong. And I think going back to, to try to like find those gems and appreciate them for what they are is, is a good exercise. Cause I think there is some good stuff here, but even just like the tray's tone and like everything about the sound is just like, unappealing to my to my ears because obviously like you know there was a painful time for a lot of fans right like not just because Coventry was a disaster and like there was clearly uh, drugs and really bad stuff happened but it also was like the death of an era for like a lot of us you know um and so it's sort of like it's sort of like mourning in a way (laughs) that I think is like Like Jonathan, I mean, it's like it is just a jam band and now everyone like lived to tell the story, which is great. I mean, not everyone, but the band did. Um, But it's also like this is like there was like a death, you know, which is kind of intense. So to me, that's that's what's hard about it is like this was the end of an era for a lot of people, a lot of people who put their built their lives around like this, the touring and and the experience. So I think it's I think it's hard.
2: Yeah, yeah, I
3: was not listening to Fish at this time in my life. I wasn't going to see them. I wasn't really listening to them. I was just really kind of wanted to like move on past that time in my life. So, it was interesting listening back and I agree RJ, it was really cool to listen back and try to hear the good stuff and there there are some really awesome moments in the show, these shows.
4: That's true. There are I won't I won't deny that there aren't good there isn't good shit in here. And you're you're probably right, RJ. It is maybe easy to just pick out the uh, the bad stuff, the but it's so glaring to me when I hear it that I can't help but you know be put off. And I and I you know in my listening, there are things that I just outright skipped because I'm not here to have a miserable time,
0: right? Uh, so. <laughs> You're on the wrong show then. <laughs> Sorry to say. I think that's, I think
2: that's right. So
1: I, I just want to counter all of this which I think I'm probably going to do throughout the yeah. next 45 minutes to an hour. Do um it. as the person who enjoys listening to this, I I don't know if this is just where I'm at in life right now. Um I had a conversation a couple years ago with songwriter tim show walter who talked about a conversation that he had had with his manager about these like big albums that he was trying to put out and he had just recorded the biggest album of his life he was able to hire uh, the guys from my morning jacket Sands, um jim james to record an album with him and it was a huge deal production and there was marketing all this stuff that went into it and he had a conversation with his manager about two weeks before it came out because there were so many moving parts. There was a track that was going on it that was not going to be going on streaming. There was a tour that was immediately going out. He was playing uh, Jimmy Fallon and all the late night shows. And it was just like a real push to make this be like the record that helped break him through. And I talked to him a couple weeks after it came out and he said that the thing that actually made him feel okay going into the record was his manager was like, Obviously we want this to be a success and we're putting a ton into this, but I'm here with you for the long road. I don't necessarily look at your career as a success based on this record. I look at your career as a success based on what you're doing at your worst record. And 15, 20 years from now, when, you know, people who are paying attention right now may be looking the other way and you're still pushing through and you're still trying to make art. And I think about that in terms of like, If I go like two of my favorite artists right now are Neil Young and Bob Dylan um, of all time, I should say. And I go right now to their 80s music, which is oftentimes it's failed by technology uh, and like limitations that they had in terms of their own uh, songwriting and their own stylistic choices. It's failed by where they're at personally and challenges that they had on a personal basis. And it's failed by, like, it just didn't fit the time or the era. But I love it because it's taking an artist who, in a different setting, with a different approach, uh, in a different point in their life, ultimately ended up making transcendent music and somehow is still figuring out a way to make music that moves people, even at a point that they may be... At their lowest, they may be uninspired in some cases creatively. They may be making unhealthy life choices. And it puts them in a position where the art in and of itself comes through, even amidst the chaos of their lives. And I hear that constantly when I listen to somewhat 2003 fish, because I think there were still a lot of challenges that permeated the band and the scene at that point in time, but mainly 2004 fish. I don't deny anything you guys are saying. I think it's incredibly difficult to listen to. I think that um, having not lived through the 94, 95 years of Jerry Garcia, that sort of like PTSD as a fan, I think would absolutely impact the way I'm hearing this. But to me, to hear the band still push as hard as they did amidst all the flaws, all the flubs, all the personal challenges, and still be able to create brilliance in even in moments um, and particularly in this weekend at a higher level than they would have in other periods of this era kind of speaks to me as that kind of speaks to me as the um, the reason why I go and see this band because regardless what they're dealing with, regardless what's going on, they're still pushing as aggressively as possible to still try to unearth some sort of magic out of the music. So that's my kind of basis for, for listening to this. Um, and, and, and going back to this on a fairly regular basis. Um, I don't know if we want to jump into the shows or if anyone has anything they want to respond to in that sort of standpoint.
4: I think you've made a pretty good case there. Brian. Yeah. We should get into the shows. Um, yeah. A couple people have commented in the uh, chat about the scene being difficult in that time frame. Um, I'm not sure we're here to really talk about that, but we should. We can certainly acknowledge it. Uh, and Kevin Hogan, Hogan makes his excuses for missing 2004. He's not making any excuses for why he's never listened to this shows, but uh <laughs> did have a kid in February. I had a kid in December, aught 3, so even I saw some 2004. Not much let's get into this show let's do it shows i guess there's two of them
1: so these are nights three and four of a abbreviated june run the band announced in may 2004 that they were breaking up by way of a letter from trey that by this point about a month later kind of seemed like it was a singular decision um this was happening. There was a lot of sadness obviously going into these shows. They just released an album, Undermined. They were experimenting with technology as always in the way of webcasting shows in the movie theaters. There was a lot still happening within the world of Fish, even though they were winding down which was really kind of wild. They played these two shows in Brooklyn. The first night's been officially released. Uh, It's got some really great jams on it. Um, The second night, Jay-Z comes out
4: I saw the first night in the movie theater. That was a trip. That was a kind of a fun, cool thing to do. Had a nice social element that I don't really get when I'm streaming at home, although we have Twitter now, so that helps a little. But it was it was kind of, kind of cool.
1: I just heard stories. They didn't do it. I was living in Montana at the time, and they didn't do it in the town I was in, but I was just hearing stories of Tanks outside, joints being passed aside, glow stick wars happening in the movie theaters. Um, I can't confirm any of that, so I don't know if that was happening where you were. We didn't
4: at. have any of that in my theater, but uh, you know, it surprise <laughs> me. Um, we were there was dancing and people ran out at the beginning and made them turn, uh, insisted they turn it up, and they did. So
3: that's uh, awesome. Yeah,
4: but it was you know, it was people no smoking or any you know, radical behavior in a movie theater in Virginia in 2004. I can tell you that.
1: Maybe it was just California where they do that sort of stuff. Um, These shows start uh, Saturday and Sunday night. Set one. Let's jump into this. Um, I'm going to take these in segments because I think it's probably better served than just us hanging out in one section of the show. First quarter of this show is Reba, Runaway Gym, and in NICU into a revived, revised Sense and Subtle sounds that had that is missing the um the intro and and I I do just have to shout out Ernie, thank you for confirming all the rumors that I'd heard. Um, what were you guys thoughts about the intro <laughs> to, the sh- or to the to the start of this show and the start of this run here?
3: Oh, kind of gets off to a rough start here with this Reba. It's there's just a lot of flubs and it just sounds it's kind of hard to listen to. Page
4: sounds good. I think
3: good. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Page sounds good throughout this whole run. Um yeah, I mean Jim has some like really messy peaks. Um they seem to start doing a little bit better during NICU and sense. And then I think Walls of the Cave is when things start to turn around. A little bit.
4: Um I, I would second all of that. Although I would say that Wolfman's isn't bad. So, you know, it's a, they put it in the jam chart. I, I don't That seems generous, but, uh, hmm. you know, it's not bad at all. It's kind of, it's got a good groove. It's very Wolfman's-y. Um, but yeah, Walls is, uh, Walls is rad. Walls is like, put that in your highlights. You should listen to that. Yeah. Walls, it's a cool jam. Speaking. It's cool jam. I'm podcasting to Kevin exclusively today.
3: This is all about you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i mean it it, it is a rough it's a rough start and you know just again like the the tone and the you can just tell it's just it's just messy you know the whole scene it was like obviously a huge party in every every sense of the word but um it's it it definitely sounds like it's like who gives a shit about the changes it's all about the energy you know (laughs) It's like it, the whole thing was kind of, an this whole end thing. of the world party, right? Like yeah. everybody was like this, yeah. is it, you know, and you have to figure
4: that a certain percentage of every audience at every show, this was their last, presumably their last fish show. Yeah, um, exactly. And people were blowing it out. And the, then in the, even the people who were doing every show of tour, they were blowing it out too, but that's a different story. I think.
1: Yeah. They've got, like 11 shows left at this point in time, all things considered. I, I, I have to get confirmation on this, but I don't think that they'd announce the Hampton shows at this point in time.
4: No, Hampton was a late show.
1: ad. It mm-hmm. was a very late ad. Um, you know, on paper, I remember this was way before people would hold up cell phones at a show or before shows were webcast into your home. So I was seeing these shows come in on paper by refreshing the fish.com setlist page and they'd come in on like a pink screen just like probably five or six minutes after a song had been played so you thought everything was 20 minutes long which it could have been (laughs) but um, on paper it's a really good setlist and and I remember this was the first time that they had played SPAC since 1995 there was a huge huge deal about the band returning to SPAC Mm -hmm. Um, it felt historic in that sort of standpoint, like they were going back, you know, this, this tour is Brooklyn, which was the first only time that they played that venue, but then it was SPAC, Deer Creek and Alpine. It was these three just amazing sheds that they've played incredible shows. And it really felt like the band was looking to their history, even when this tour was announced before the breakup announcement happened. Um, That said, I will agree with you. Reba at this point, and seeing and having seen the Coventry Reba and having heard the Miami deep in set three of New Year's Eve Reba, I would argue that the last Reba that you should hear of 2.0 is the it version, which is amazing. That whole festival is incredible. Um, this is a tough, this is a tough Reba.
4: It was notable. Somebody points it out that it's the last Reba opener. Uh, somebody in the comments. And it's the yes. first one since Molson in 2000. Um, and before that, I don't, I'm still scrolling. I don't know when it opened a first set before that. Like
1: It's not a typical opener.
4: Yeah, definitely not. So interesting choice. Uh, yeah, 1992. Uh Seven twenty-two ninety-two was the pri- previous to the two thousand one. So, yeah, wow. pretty rare positioning. And you're right; looks cool on paper. Right there.
1: <laughs> the walls of the cave, I think, is the highlight of this overall set, and I think is one of the strongest versions of this song. Um, this is in line with what we'll hear open Coventry when they open Coventry with walls cave. And the song at this point was just so open-ended and allowed them so much opportunity for experimentation. We saw multiple 20 minute versions throughout the 2003 winter tour, uh, debuted with a near 20 minute version at MSG 2002. This one though, you know, when they cool down and they go into that ambient segment, that to me is like one of the most, exciting aspects of where the band was at this point in time is that they could still work with dynam- like dynamics in a way that I don't think we're hearing as much two months later when they would play Coventry. We're hearing them play with silence and we're hearing them build things up in a way that still strikes me as a band that's still listening to each other. Um, and something that we'll talk about when we get to the end of the next show the band seems at least for perhaps the last time of this whole overall era to be really trying to see is it possible to keep doing this? Is there is there something is there something that could allow us to go back on the announcement that we made back in May?
4: I, I wanna I wanna give you an apology here, Brian. Uh when you said um, you know, they got into the jam, the quiet part of the jam and it seemed like, you know, <laughs> something that they, you know, haven't been able to do. I was ready to jump on you when you said, in this era. Um, so thank you for finishing the sentence <laughs> to say later in the tour. And I apologize for being ready to jump on you because I'm just ready to just say negative things about this. And that's not fair. It's not fair to you. So I'm going to own that. I'm going to um, mark I say... that
1: one is the first of hopefully many over the next couple no, of that's about minutes. It.
4: Um, i want to say this david bowie had potential
3: doesn't really yeah it's well played
1: it's wild how bowie we've talked about this a lot in other episodes bowie even now i mean now it feels like the band is in a very different place today than they were 18 years ago um it constantly feels like this song that, like, well, if they would just push a little bit more in the middle section, like we could just break out, out of this. Fingertips. We could just. It's it's right there, and there's still in that. Like there's not a there's there's one really great Bowie from 2.0. Um, it's the Nassau version. Aside from that, it's it's usually contained in a way that kind of goes against what most people think about 2.0. RJ, what do you think about this first set? I, I need your thoughts here.
0: Um it's just fi- totally fine. Everything's fine. I mean, nothing really <laughs> like <Han laughs> Not... solo in the detention center. Everything's fine <laughs> here. How are <laughs> you? Nothing really I mean <laughs> the walls of the cave does have an interesting kind of you know break with with the typical song structure and there's a cool jam, but otherwise Yeah, I mean it's just messy and weird. It's messy and weird. Out of the four sets that I, that I went back to, this is the one that I th- thought had the least re-listenable, interesting stuff.
1: That's a good transition point into set two, which I think potentially has more re-listenable and interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Set two begins. This is a five-song set. Song I heard the ocean sing in its second performance ever. Piper straight into Gadgejibu, into Limb by Limb, and into Cavern, which should be noted. It's on Fishnet, and we read a lot of Fishnet <laughs> notes.
3: Yeah, read it's noted. All
1: Fishnet notes. Trey forgot an entire verse, which was happening at this time, but can still happen today. There's a great version of Light from July eighth, twenty twelve, where Trey sings the wrong verse at the it's, right time
4: is that today that's 10 years ago brian he did mess up cavern this year though so but not <laughs> like
3: cavern this not, not like bad. this though this is like this I is like completely. he can't get it back like it's like it's not good That'd i mean, mean be... just really
4: trying to encourage brian to like you know get his references <laughs> to be more timely in this case because the
0: show the show before not, not the show before, but two shows before Coventry at in Mansfield at Great Woods, they started, pl- they played Tears of a Clown for the first time and they didn't know any of the words. And then they had someone from the <laughs> audience come up and sing the song because they didn't know the words. So this is wow. clearly like, that's not a huge area of focus at this, I'm this point. I'm going to say it that's state fair material.
4: <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's totally. Bush League. I don't even think it's. <laughs>
0: I it might it. be local, local fare. Um, the the song I heard the ocean sing, I mean, you can hear Mike. Mike is just throughout these 2004 shows just really in charge, you know. Um, mm-hmm. There's a point in, the, in that jam 10, 12 minutes in and Trey kind of picks up on a theme that Mike introduces and then they just like carry it for a little while and it's just like a nice groove. That's a lot of this 2004 stuff that's good. I think it's just like a nice sailing groove, you know. Um, that that yeah, mm-hmm. it just gets like totally stretched,
3: yeah, it's really it's beautiful, it sounds effortless at that point,
1: I think that there is a clear point that like you said it earlier, r j like they're almost taking the sense of people aren't here from the chain for the changes to a, a, I don't even know if it's the logical extreme, it's just an extreme at this point in time. I don't think the focus here at all is on let's play these songs right, which is why it makes sense that a new song, a song I heard the ocean sing, is played fairly well. A song that's basically just chord changes sped up to get into a jam. Piper is played well and got a jaboo, a song that was written at kind of the start of this phase of the band's career, which was really just like, let's get into a groove. We'll play a couple of chords and then we'll build it over time is played well. The thing that's crazy to me is that the limb by limb, it's not great. It's nowhere near where they were a year earlier, where every single limb by limb was just like stellar, but it's not as much of a train wreck as cavern, which is a compliment. The thing that you were saying, Megan, about like the effortless aspect of it, I hear that in both of these, a song I heard the Ocean Sing and Piper Jams. They're just like, they they find a groove and they build on it. And it's so different from what they were playing. Even in 1997, there's almost no changes in these jams. Like the segment in the middle of the Piper is about 10 minutes long. And it's something that you really wouldn't hear from the band today where so many jams are kind of like ideas built up, then they dissolve and they move into a new idea. It's this dedication to like, we found something that works and let's just build it as much as possible and see what happens with it. See what the end result is, no matter how long it takes us to get there.
4: Is that dedication? So, (laughs) uh, no, that's a sincere question. Like, And and we can't know. We can only speculate on what the thinking is. Totally. But, you know, clearly... It seems clear that they probably knew that some of the more complicated songs were eluding them. Some of the more complicated material was not going the way they would like it. So let's blow it out with something that we know we can play. And, you know, they aren't modulating things as frequently as they would in any other era. And when I'm talking, when it comes to the jams, Uh, trey is doing a lot of laying back playing rhythm leaving page to take the lead it's funny because that's you know akin to like going to the mini kit but he's just strumming you know he's like he'll chopping on the thing like a like a bluegrass mando player during the guitar solo you know he's uh he's he's also taking leads and Guiding the band and working with the band. But I think that this is the stuff that he found. And they collectively seem to have found. They could do. They could do that very comfortably. Without sounding like they were falling apart. And And they do it here. The song I heard the ocean sing. in it's Piper. Very good. The gr- transition into Jabu is also pretty good. And Jabu is fine. It's Jabu. Um, and the limb-by-limb, limb, shaky, but it maybe pays off. I think it pays off. So this is probably the set of the run. Um, the, the Piper is spectacular, but there is this big chunk in the middle that is, somebody in the comments said that they thought the Piper was a little, uh, I don't want to put words into anyone's mouth, so I'm kind of scrolling up to see the, the quote. Uh, a bit repetitive. Powerhouse dance hall jam. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. a totally groove to this. Yeah. Does there's it just change? like this,
3: like, yeah. I mean, but that's if you think about kind of the substances that were prolific around this time, they're pretty mellow, you know? And so, like, this is like not mellow and what they do to you, but mellow and how you feel on them. And so, there's kind of this like moving along feeling to them, just like walking down a street, feeling good, nowhere to go. Like, that's the vibe I got from the Piper, just like groovy, mellow. Moving along. You know, it's nice, but it definitely gets a little repetitive. But it's pretty. Nice little peaks.
0: I don't think it's very, like, com- I don't think it's very complex. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: this is the improv. Not a
4: 1999 or 2019. I will tell yeah. you, before I listened to all of this stuff, I made sure to sit down and listen to the Deer Creek Sand from this year. And because I wanted to have a fresh picture of an extended jam from now to kind of compare to,
0: I think I think, uh, I think yeah. in '03, there you know the Mister completely from the summer of '03 is modulates tremendously complex. Like the there, there's some stuff that they were doing in this era that was just really amazing. I just think it, I think they were running out of guess at this point i would they were like and the piper is great i mean there there's different segments but it's it's basically like there's a tweezer reprise jam for like a long time and it's great and it like there's a big climax and it's fun but it's like it's a i mean it's crazy in the middle of that jam it just like halfway through it just like becomes quiet (laughs) it's almost like they're like no one knows what to do next and then they figure it out which is kind of cool to listen to
4: splitting 2.0 because 2003 and 2004 are different beasts maybe this is 2.5 is that one of your discussion points for later brian i'm sorry
1: that is not i just want I, I'm, I'm waiting for everyone to finish their thoughts about how simple this is before i respond so so please give it give it all.
4: oh my god all right let me let me just get my chairs situated <laughs>
3: okay we're
2: ready
1: i guess question I guess my question would be, is it a bad thing? Like to me, I don't I don't disagree with either anything you guys said objectively. I think you're absolutely right. It is uh, I'll answer let's you take a it. groove.
3: I okay. think
4: we all have said that we enjoyed it. So yeah. no, it's not bad. It's would should they build a whole year on it? Maybe not. Did they? No, because they only played twelve more shows or whatever. So sure. You know,
1: I guess my thought on it, though, is it, it this is the best example, this and parts of Tomorrow Night's show, which we're going to get to at some point, um, are the best examples... We have to talk about hats again, though. Um, are the best examples of this band yes, saying the changes don't necessarily matter. And I don't know. I, I would push back on that. I don't know if I would say that the band is saying that. I would say that a quarter of the band... Potentially half of the band is saying that um, at this point in time. The music might be. Well, the music as a result. Um, this is a showcase. These two jams are showcased of the rhythm section in a way that I don't think we get as much today. Especially with Mike. I think this is this era is the peak of Mike's abilities and his power within the band and i don't i think that there are certainly moments in the years since where he has stood out but i don't think he stood out as consistently as he did during this period in time and he was the one who was pushing back the most on the band staying together and i think he was just giving it his all at this point i also think this piper is just a complete showcase for john fishman And it's like the, the things that we're talking about here of how they're just extending a single idea. The thing that that allows members to do is either just stay within that idea or showcase their skills. And you hear John Fishman in this Piper in a way that I don't really think we heard until 2021. And that was a completely different band, but I don't think we heard John Fishman in improvisation the way that we hear him here where he is the main instrument and Yes, there's a tragic reason for that. But the fact that the band was able to play concerts, play music at this level, and have Fishman be the lead instrument at this point in time, I think is, is, is something that's worth at the very least hearing and discussing.
4: I totally agree with those points about Mike and Fish. They were in my like overall notes for later to, to, to bring this back to those guys. Because Mike is a standout. He is. First of all, you can hear him really well in these tapes. I mean, there's. Um, if You're listening to the live fish recordings. They have a uh, an interesting quality. Trey's guitar is a really interesting quality and tonal. That doesn't. I, I I would argue that any of these things probably are worthy of remix. But um, but Mike doesn't need it. Uh, he sounds outstanding and really cuts through. And Fish is definitely killing it throughout these shows.
1: Before we move on to 620, Megan, I know that you have thoughts about another part of this show. I want to give you the time to speak your thoughts.
3: Yeah, this encore to me was really intense to listen to. I just feel like it reminded me of listening to like Jerry sing like Black Muddy River or like Stella Blue, like in the mid 90s. It's just like this song, the way that, sorry, the way that Trey is playing it and the way that What this song is about is just so intense, and I think that, like, it's one of those songs that actually sounds better when people are kind of going through a struggle, and it was just hitting me so hard. Like, this song, I – my boyfriend that I was with in the mid-90s had really big issues with drugs, and at this point, like, we are – this song, when I was listening to a lot in the mid-90s, and when they – We used to write each other letters and when we were breaking up and getting back together and it was just this very intense time. And whenever – when I heard them play this song on this re-listen, I was like running and I just stopped and just thought about like, I don't know, this song must have been really intense for them to play and it just hit me hard. And I think sometimes listening back to shows when your band isn't playing their best is actually – I don't know, just made me appreciate them in a different way and like just feel really grateful for where they are right now.
1: There's a reason they couldn't play this song like all the way through at Coventry. I think. I think you're absolutely right. Like it when the song starts, it just like it hits
2: the, those nerves. Should we move on to six twenty? Yeah.
1: Everyone want to take a breather before we get to the second end of this run?
2: I just want to thank <laughs> Megan
4: for like completely. Reinvigorating the trauma of the mid '90s Jerry ballads and the "Waiting in the Velvet Sea." That I only ever think of Coventry when I think of that song. So you only Sorry. think
1: of Coventry when you think of that song. Yeah,
4: I can't yeah. not think. Let me. I'll put it this way: I can't not think of it when I hear that song. Yeah,
3: I can't it's not. such a beautiful song. It's so sad. It's just yeah.
4: It's a beautiful song. Which I
1: just should, remember that whole second it. night throughout the first set, waiting for something bad to happen. And then they started playing waiting and it happened. And like, I don't know, there, there was not a dry eye around me. There were a lot of hugs and a lot of people crying in a way that you would see you know, five years later when they got back together and people were going back to their first shows in five years, sometimes 10 years, sometimes 15 years, but for a totally different, so
4: much happier.
1: But not everything is happening. And that is why that, that is like part of the reason that I I, I love these. It's, it's the balance.
3: And I appreciate that, Brian, because I do think it's true that it's actually harder to go on stage and be a band in moments like this, right? It's easy to go on when everybody's loving you and you're doing a great job. And, it shows a lot of character that they were still trying to do this then. Yeah, most Um,
4: bands, when they decide to break up, they just stop. They don't go with... Right, right. right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, We, um, the first time I saw Wade in the Velvet Sea after the hiatus was on, was June 2010 in Hartford. And it was like one of the best fish experiences of my life. It was just like, Everyone was back and it was like, so it just had a whole different meaning. And um, it was really amazing. One of the most memorable experiences of my fish going life. So there, there's always, there's always like, there's always time for it. You know,
4: I had that when I saw redemption for the first time after.
0: <laughs> and the Coventry said, didn't it go waiting and then glide <laughs> it Was back, back to back?
1: Oof. It goes Oof. waiting, glide. They couldn't play glide. I legitimately couldn't play glide. It it couldn't
3: was, play it could
1: No, could not play.
3: Anyways, which I so think
1: was the place. emotions. And then there was the band speech. But then, similar to these shows, you had the redemptive jam out of split up and a melt in a ghost, which um, we'll talk about when we get to twenty years of of Coventry. We're not going to do that this summer. I promise, I will not do that too long this summer. So night two. <laughs> night two,
0: night two, night
2: two, Brian,
1: night two. two. Night
0: two. Um, I think this is a better show. I think this show is better, and I didn't think that before today. But I just want to throw that out there. I'm just trying to get it started with some hot takes. Go, man.
1: Go build off that. Shit.
0: <laughs> well, then I have to, then I would, it would upset the quarter, the quarter, the quarter by quarter analysis. And I just, no, I think we Let's should just,
1: just, just start it. We, I think we can just attack the, mm-hmm. there's, there's, I think we should attack the second set as a chunk, but like just, just go with that theory. I
0: think, <laughs> I think the, I think the, um, the compositions are not much better, but they're like a little bit better. And I think the end, of the first set, the the drowned is is pretty phenomenal for any any period. I think it's a better I think it's a more exciting and interesting jam than than the piper the night before. Like I think it, there's some especially like Mike and Fishman and and Trey has some amazing guitar playing in that jam that is pretty impressive. And the waves before that is also really good. Um I I just think they were like they probably just got a little bit more comfortable or something. It seemed they've it feels a little bit less messy and and the improv I think is is more interesting.
3: Maybe it was when Paige's dad came on they all just loosened up and <laughs> you know can I agree. I, I think I think that waves is great. Um and I think the the drown jam is like that rock star jam and they're like, I don't know what's going on with Tri. Maybe he's fucked up, but he can still really tear the guitar apart. I mean it's awesome and that jam is like hypnotic great peaks yeah i mean i think the second part of the set's really good
4: all right i'll be that guy so um it's really cool that they played julius after rift because they could play julius and it rips um bill bailey is so much fun but i i just want to say i i kind of wish that somebody was playing like a kazoo on that because it has this like you know 20s kind of jug band kind of quality to it and that i think that a kazoo would really enhance um or complement what's already there it's a lot of fun it's so sweet that they had that and they they had that at that show um waves is cool gumbo i don't even remember water and sky is cool
0: horn goes like this there ain't no time no i mean i know the song oh oh, okay okay yeah but thank (laughs) you
4: Okay. It's um,
3: funny because Jonathan, I didn't write anything down my, for my notes for Gumbo either. Yeah. I don't know. Uh,
4: but I, I will say, horn, successful. Transcendent? It it? No, probably not. But it was, it, it was fine. Which I have heard some bad horns in 3.0. So credit where credit due. Trey gets through that. Um, poor heart. Drowned is, is kind of a rip and jam. And it's so annoying to see it tracked with a uh, Saratoga jam or whatever
2: <laughs> on live fish, as
4: they were doing. Yeah, it what is that? As uh, rights they were trying to get paid, mm. they changed how they can do that, so it's not a big deal now, I guess. But yeah, drowned is ripping. I, I I agree with what has been said by my colleagues, and I look forward to hearing Brian expound upon it.
0: Brian, Brian, before you do, can can I just what if we are what if Megan and Jonathan and I have been thinking about this the wrong way the whole time? So that I that's, don't think that's possible.
3: <laughs> Doubtful, but go on.
0: <laughs> what I mean is if obviously like there was there was a lot of substance issues at this point. But what if the what if the use and all all this the bad stuff that came with this band at this era, what if that was actually because of the fact that the music had kind of like run its course at this point as opposed to the opposite?
2: It's what if Trey was just
0: like bored, like which which I think he maybe tends to get sometimes. Maybe maybe cycle. that happened. It's yeah. an
1: interesting idea. I mean I wonder
2: No, don't
1: know. I think the only reason I'd push back on it is one, I don't know if he was necessarily bored at this point. Maybe he was bored with fish, But he was doing so much. He was making so much music. There was so much that he was doing with Tab. You know, the interesting thing about this is like, ahead of this run, there's a really excellent Tab set from Bonnaroo that they would basically abandoned all of their long jamming from the previous year. And there's another one that comes in September at Austin city limits. I think he, in some senses, just wanted to do something else. And the pressures of fish were too much at the time. It was like the amount of people that were going backstage at, at certain shows, the amount of responsibilities that the band had as a result of the way that the organization was structured at the time, plus the increase in, you know, substance abuse I guess my thought on this is like, I would never have wanted this year of fish to be longer than it is. And while I would really like in the future for us to do a episode on Vegas four, because I just think that it's interesting to talk about, I wouldn't argue that that was in any way as good as this is. I think that what this, the, the thing that fascinates me about this is more than anything, uh, That it's a band that's run itself into the ditch in a lot of cases, both personally, musically, professionally, and is still producing music that is captivating to listen to 20 years later. The Waves, The drowned, being the best examples of that in set one.
4: You guys ever see the movie Stand By Me? Mm -hmm. I feel like Brian is the guy who's like, do you want to see a dead body? (laughs) (laughs) totally sorry
3: he's like no there's a lot to learn from this dead body you've got to come and see it you
4: can poke it with a stick
3: yeah like this is what happens to the human form when it dies
4: sorry we could
1: go down this road if we really wanted because i have thoughts about 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 everything you just said (laughs) yeah i I, said with love uh, i would hope
0: (laughs) yeah totally uh, Brian, per- before, before you get into set two, yes, I have to tell you, I have to go because I, I'm I'm leaving to start my walk home from Coventry, and so I, I have to <laughs> leave now so that I can be back for our next broadcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you guys to finish this.
1: Thank you You'll for putting missed. an hour into this. You will be missed.
0: <laughs> Bye Thanks, guys. RJ.
3: Bye RJ.
4: Take care of your All shoes, right. man. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I threw mine away mud. when
1: I got back home. They wouldn't the work anymore. Do. They they were done. Um all right, set two. This is an important set. This was the last four song second set prior to ten seventeen, twenty twenty one. I remember seeing this on paper i being blown away by it. I remember listening to it for the first time being blown away by it. I love this set. I think it flows incredibly well. I think the song selection is brilliant. I think that the improvisation, especially in two places, are absolutely incredible and diverse and showcases a band that is still, everything I've been trying to argue, uh, really creative in spite of everything that's happening at, the, at this point in their lives and their career. I think it's all contained in this set. This is my favorite set of the overall run. This is my favorite set of 2004. I don't know where it ranks in terms of all of 2.0. I guess if Jonathan's going to call this now 2.5, this would be my favorite set of 2.5. I mean, so it's I don't the best set I'd of the The era.
4: rules I'm just I'm proposing perhaps.
3: You sure um. do. <laughs>
1: What do you guys think overall, before we dive into the songs here, what do you guys think overall of this set in comparison to the rest of the weekend?
4: Go ahead,
3: Megan. Yeah, I mean, I think the flow is just better. Um, I just think there's it's more chock full of ideas. Like, the jams definitely are more inspired. I don't know if maybe – I think they left after that drowned and they were like, okay, we can listen to each other. We can We can go there. And I think that they're really – getting into some awesome stuff in this set, particularly in the ghost and the twist.
4: I just scrolled down to, I'm on fish.net on this computer, this screen over here. And I scrolled down and I just want to say, I see my friend Gumbo's extremely long review at the top of the review list. And, uh, go Greg, by the way, it's you should, you guys should all read it. It's a classic style, uh, that I have known this kid for a long time. And it's, uh, it's something. Um, but the uh, I like the Seven Below all right. Um, I think that what I'm most reminded of is the fact that they should be playing Seven Below more now. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's a song that really has, you know, it's, it's an open-ended piece. And um, I think they played it, what, twice last year? Um, I actually do have that up here. Yeah, twice last year. Once in 2019, twice in 2018, twice 2017. I mean, it's just not enough. Um,
1: 49 times overall in 20 years.
4: It's not enough at all. It's not enough. No. Um, So, because I like, kind of like the jamming that they get into on this one. Um, I could maybe go for more of it. I don't remember the ghost at all. And I listened to this set twice. I know oh, it's it good.
3: It's not it long.
4: It didn't leave any impression. It's not long,
3: but That's it's really fine. interesting. Yeah, I think it's good. What did you
1: find interesting about it?
3: I just think they've got lots of like little ideas that are good. Like it's 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 more diverse than anything that they did in like some of the jams from the night before, and it has this like great segue like into twist.
1: Amazing segue
4: into twist. Yeah,
1: and I, I like the, love the twist that.
4: jam. The twist has some good like. Tray's getting some interesting jam. tonal things going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I even texted you guys that I was enjoying that part because I had been, you know, <laughs> giving Brian such a hard time on our text thread uh, all weekend long that I had to it's acknowledge true. that I was enjoying something uh, today on my porch. And uh, yeah, I think the twist is worth your time out mm-hmm. there if you're if you're considering going back to this 2004 show. Twist is definitely worth your time.
3: Yeah, it gets into this, like, quiet space, like, right away in the jam. And then it just gets this kind of, like, dirty south vibe. I don't know. And then this, like, sunny version comes out. The peaks are a little sloppy, but also gets back to these, like, really, like, gritty rock and roll vibes the last few minutes. It's just – I really like yeah. this Twist it's jam. Like
4: right in the middle of the bay- all but stop.
3: yeah so cool. And then they
4: build it back up and there's some peaking and some stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the first half is probably my favorite, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just me. Brian, good how stuff. much do you love this set?
1: Love is not a big enough word.
4: Uh, how much do you love
1: it's this good. set? You enough.
3: love it, Brian.
1: Quo- I'm, <laughs> I'm quoting one of my favorite movies there. If you know what I just quoted, you will get recognition um to me this set is everything that worked in this era and I imagine that the reason why I want to be very diligent about what I'm about to say because I genuinely love listening to this era of fish I'm glad that there's not a lot of it glad it's very segmented um but like I love what happened a week later at Alpine Valley. I really love the first set of Hampton, the first set of great woods night one, the ACDC bag melt ghost from Coventry. Like I genuinely love those jams, and I go back to them on a very, fairly regular basis because I find everything I've said about this era of fish to be fascinating on a, on a both both a human level, but also a creative level. And I think that the music that they're making at this point in time, it is like on a death march and it's, I don't think everybody's, I don't think everybody is going to, is going to go through or has to go through the experience that this band went through or that the fan base went through as a result of what was happening during this summer. And I definitely wouldn't recommend that we all relive this in any sort of way. But it's something that happens to people and it's something that happens with more frequency than I think that we would want it to happen. And it's something that I think should be at least acknowledged in the, in the creativity that can come out of it. And this, this set sums that up for me in the best way possible for this overall, uh, this overall era, this overall year. Um, the seven below is incredibly dark, sounds mechanical at times. Um, it's one of those jams that I've listened to it dozens of times and I still can't put my finger on what exactly is happening. And I really have, I have a deep affection for jams like that because there's a lot of jams where you listen to the twist is like this where like you hear it once, you know why it clicks. You still go back to it for those moments, but like, there's not a ton of surprise after you've heard it the fifth, sixth, tenth. Hundred and fiftieth time, however many it may be, the seven below is one of those jams that just like constantly surprises me whenever I hear it. Um, and for them to play that at this point in their career, you know, we're talking only about the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. It's the fourteenth seven below. So this is the the most regularly that the band will play seven below pretty much throughout the entire history of the song. They'll play it in like a five to 10 show rotation throughout the early part of 2009. But since then it's basically like 20 to 40 shows. So this is when they're like in that rhythm of the song, that open ended vibe that Jonathan was talking about and that like, that spaciousness of the song could go anywhere. And a week later at Alpine Valley, it's going to go for 27 minutes and it's going to have elements of this jam with a huge rock peak. Um, The ghost, I agree with you, Megan. I think that it has a lot of little ideas in it. It almost sounds like a 3.0 jam in the sense that there's kind of a restlessness to it. And there's a, okay, this idea worked. Let's see what else works. Okay. That worked. Let's see what else works. And one of those ideas leads them into a very smooth, landing in twist and that groove kind of informs where the jam is going at that point in time the twist it kind of is the in in one jam like the darkness and light of this period in time it's it's the only jam of this tour that sounds hopeful you know it's 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 like the band's kind of like rubbing shoulders with each other and trying to figure out where do we all fit in? But then they fall into this groove very quickly. That sounds like something out of 1997. They go down to that silence and that like that, it sounds like we're we're done and we're moving on to the next portion of the set. And it's like a move that they never really make. They rarely ever go to silence and then build it back up. That's just like when they go to silence, they're kind of done and they move on to the next jam, the next song to have it then build up and be this, At times blissful, at times heavenly, but still smeared with that like distorted messiness that's running through all of this, that discrepancy, um, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. That's real. And that's like a real thing that they were going through and that they were trying to communicate through music. And they communicate this moment of like momentary bliss that I'm sure Trey was feeling those moments Throughout this period, I'm sure that there were moments that were like the greatest he'd ever felt, surrounded by darkness, and to have that communicated in music is uh, it's it's something really lasting and something really really human from them.
3: It's true, nicely put.
4: I just want to say something mean now to counterbalance that, but I I I can't. Do it, Brian. Do it. (laughs) And yet, it's all trash. No, it's not all trash. (laughs) Um, But I can, I, I, so I did, I look back, we talked at the the top of this about when we, uh, on HF Pod last did a big 2.0 look. And we had a two parter, I want to say it's 35 and 36. That's episode 35 and 36. With Wade and Kate and Kristen, who were uh, on Twitter as two chicks, one fight belt, or something like that. And uh, back in May of 2014 when we did that, which is. um, Wow. Probably the last time I listened to this stuff. Um. I did think it was interesting. I was thinking as I listened to these shows and I was listening to the drowned and seven below, and you were talking about how in 2009, they, they, you know, leaned into seven below a little bit. Well, also they leaned into songs like drowned a good bit, uh, as like set two opener and stuff. And I was wondering how much of their like summer repertoire involved, things that we were hearing at the time which were yeah this is a lot like 93 as they're just trying to get their tightness on but also when they wanted to blow out for jams were they looking at 2004 what did we last jam out on i'm wondering if that was a factor um i can't know but i just occurs to me listening to these shows
1: i never thought about it that way
3: yeah that's so interesting to think about
4: brains are weird
1: it's, well, it's interesting because I, uh, my gut would say no.
4: Probably not, right? Not mm-hmm. My gut would time, say that they... Maybe there it is. It um, could have been. They were
2: my also, gut someone they could
3: have said that to them.
4: This era like the plague. Right, but they were also very pointedly doing a couple things. Which I guess like, we don't avoid. Playing fluff Trying to play glide. You know, They were very mm-hmm. deliberately looking at or acknowledging their past failures why wouldn't they also be going you know what felt really good when we jammed on drown back in the back last time we played a summer Mm -hmm. show you know maybe
1: and it's wild because yeah drowned this
4: one Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's wild because drowned and rock and roll yeah they were these two songs that If you heard them start a second set, you kind of knew that you were going to get your window Mm -hmm. of improv at that period. The thing that's kind of similar to what you're talking about, you know, so my first era with this band was 2.0. I saw my first show in 2003. I saw a bunch of shows in 2004. Everything. 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 Um, Yeah, you're nostalgic for it. I don't know about that because there there was a lot.
3: You are though, because that's like, even if you didn't like love, if the music wasn't the best, it's still the time when you went and saw your first show and who you were at that point, you're nostalgic for that.
1: Maybe. I remember walking away from Coventry being like, I'm 19 years old and my favorite band is gone. Like w- w- like these were supposed to be like my next five years where I would go and yeah. see most fish. Um, what, what I was going to say is like, I remember getting into fish in the hiatus, seeing 2.0 shows being online, constantly talking about fish. I was, I was either in class or I was hiking or I was talking about fish. Those were like the three things I did at 19. And the, the feeling in 2003 and 2004 was a lot of what we have talked about here today. That like, it's just not worth hearing. It's not even worth going to these shows. The band sounds terrible within five years when they came back and the deal was kind of like, hey, we're back and we're happy, but we don't really jam. Suddenly the 2.0 period looked a lot different to a lot of fans in the online communities that I associated with. There was a lot of revisionist history around this era that this was actually one of the peaks of fish. And while I would argue that 2003 is a peak year of fish, I would not argue that about 2004. I think part of that was this, and maybe it's to what you're talking about, Jonathan, the sense of like, Hey, the last time we would jam, we would rely on these songs. I think there was also something in the fan base of like, Hey, the band isn't jamming. Let's go back to the last period where they were. What has really, what has changed in this regard?
4: I mean, speaking to my own experience with online fish communities, um, we weren't, you know, that nostalgic for 2.0. Uh, there's always somebody in every group, right? Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, we, 2003 had, it was fun. 2003 had some good stuff. Um, but mostly we were, during that time when we didn't have fish at all, we were looking back to the 90s and, and finally taking the time to listen to the shows in between the shows. Um, yeah. The ones that, you know, hadn't got quite the attention and, you know, now we had the time. Uh, that's, that's what I, you know, what we were doing in the online fish communities, which I was a member So, what do you think? Have we have, have we covered this? Do we have? I know we had some bullet points to talk about after talking about these shows. Do we want to get into any of those? You got anything still outstanding here for us, Brian?
1: I think we've covered a good amount of these. I don't want to. Megan um, mm-hmm. did an incredible job of summarizing the comparison here between where Fish was at to The Grateful Dead. Um, I have a couple of questions that I do Mm want and and I want to just share a couple stats that I think are really interesting, but we can hold that off. Um, Are there any are there any artists that have experienced similar lows to fish in this sense that you can think of that you listen to that period of in the same way that like I'm describing listening to fish at this point?
3: I feel like I don't listen to the music that the artists make that during those periods. Like I think about certain hip hop that I love and I'm only listening to the good stuff. Like I, I don't go back in the way, maybe because I didn't experience it firsthand in the way that I did with Grateful Dead and Fish where I was like at the shows experiencing this. So to me, it, I don't feel like I ever go back to artists that are going through things like this. I just don't have anything that I connect to in that deeply way as I do like with fish and the dad.
4: Yeah. I mean, I don't really listen to Eric Clapton much anymore, but when I did, I didn't really listen to his, uh, you know, heavy drug periods so much, you know, Derek and the dominoes was about it. That was the, that was the line. And then it got bad. And, you know, there's hits and things and some people. This is like the closest comparison I can draw, I think, off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure that there is anything, anyone really quite like this. I mean, and with The Grateful Dead, I always listened. I, I like it all to some
2: degree. There's something there in all of it. Just as yeah, there's same. something in these shows.
1: How important do you guys find jams to your
2: enjoyment of fish?
4: Without the jams, uh, these shows would not be worth listening to. These shows,
1: but I mean in general.
4: Uh, in general, I mean they're they're a part of it uh, after a certain point in fish's development, um, but. You know, at the same time, yeah, I mean, I I like them to be able to play Rift correctly, um, at least within reason. Blow one change, whatever. But if you can't construct the song with your guitar, which Trey had trouble doing during this run, that's that's not something I need to hear. So jams, they balance that out. If I'm listening to a 92 show, I don't need to hear jams to enjoy a 92 show, which is good. But, uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question correctly, but that's my best.
1: best you are. Yeah. How about you, Meg?
3: I feel like my thoughts about jams have totally changed. I think when I first started listening to the band, I was less interested in them jamming. Like I just wanted to hear songs and sing and dance and be kind of, I don't know, entertained more and in that way. And now I really love them. And I just think that they've just gotten so good at it. I mean, think about the jams we get now. They're just like so spectacular and their journeys and they're just, I just love it. So I've changed a lot, but they, they are redemptive in these shows. They're the only reason that these shows are palatable is because of the jams. And that's also speaks to where they were, you know, I mean, when you're going through that kind of stuff, you can't be present in the way that you need to be, but you can still hit moments of genius.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't think that they these shows are not revered or worth discussing if there are no jams, but also the jams are a part of what makes this era fascinating is, is when they where they could connect was improvisationally. Um, and when, where they could connect and it kind of makes it really fascinating. Like you would almost think that this band, I guess there's two ways about it. Cause like, you know, you're in a high school band, you can't really play music, but you can jam, you know, you can just kind of like riff on chords, but like, can you really jam like at a certain point, like you run out of ideas, you're in a professional band like this, obviously a very different level, but the idea that they would go on stage as, vulnerable as they were, or as some of them were at this point in time and that they would so blatantly play their songs poorly and not dedicate the time and energy to try to cover up what was happening by saying, Hey, we can still play the songs. We're okay. That where they excel is in this area where they're basically building a road in the moment. And they're basically speaking freely and conversing and communicating with each other in front of 20,000 people. To have that kind of courage to be able to do that. And that is the one thing that you can hang your hat on that we do well right now is is pretty wild to me. I mean, I think the the question for me, I kind of asked this because I thought. I thought this would kind of be a good conclusion of the conversation in the sense that it would inform where we all come from. For me. I don't, I don't know if I would be as into fish without the jams as I, as I am. Like, I think I need the jams to be as into fish as I am. And I think part of the reason why I love this era is that they go into that so aggressively, so intensely.
2: Um, I think we can hold the stats. I did some
1: stat homework today, but I think we can hold the stats because we've, we've talked long and hard. My last question for you guys. Would you listen to this
4: run in your free time again? Not anytime soon.
3: No, not the whole run. I actually might listen to a song I heard the ocean sing and that waiting just to, to kind of feel those vibes. Maybe I'd make like a sad fish playlist. Like my husband's really into indie music and like we joke that there's like a sad girl starter pack on Sp- Spotify. It's like a playlist and it's like all of his favorite musicians. So I always joke that he has like the same musical taste as like a 14-year-old girl. But this could be like the sad fish starter pack. Maybe go. I'll Maybe I'll make that playlist.
4: You should definitely make and share that playlist.
3: Okay, I will. <laughs>
4: So next week we're going to do the, uh, Ed Sullivan theater, six twenty one, 2004. We could probably <laughs> that
3: definitely some sad songs on there for sure.
1: <laughs> There's not, they didn't really do much to that point. Um, thank you, Ben. i was surprised yes. when I was listening this morning, these shows were better than I remembered
4: because of the jams, right? Ben, <laughs> it's a part of the music.
1: Um, We will be back on Wednesday. I gave everyone a great present this morning when I told them your reward for listening to 2004 Fish is to go back, way, way, way back to happier times. 1988 Fish. We're going to talk about a three-night run at Nectars June 19th through the 21st. Next week, we are going to be exploring some East Coast summer fish, PNC 2000 and Camden 2019. Two very different eras. We're talking four very different eras over these these four shows as we continue our historical look back at fish throughout summer tour. I'm excited to dive into these 88 shows. I listened to the first show and a half today, and there's a ton going on there. There's a ton of foundation being set by the band, and um, it's just a very, very different experience from listening to SPACO4. I will say that, a very different experience.
4: Sadly, I won't be here for that, though, so I don't get the reward.
3: This is sad you can too, listen because to it. like 1988 oh, you know, fish. I can listen I like to
4: whatever it. I want, but uh, <laughs> I won't get to talk about it with you wonderful people.
3: That's a bummer. We'll miss you. A
1: what were you going to say about 1988 fish, or, or do you want to hold that for Wednesday? Megan.
3: Oh, me? It's just happy me. fish. It's it good is. fish. It's not going to be on the sad girl starter pack fish playlist
1: (laughs) no we're gonna be talking about young spunky fish yeah in some cases trying to win people over in other cases saying fuck it we don't care if we win you over we're gonna do whatever we want
3: we're super weird
1: we're super weird we know it and we get a three night run at nectars you don't and we are going to pull all the pranks and we're gonna play long songs that are composed it's gonna be fascinating i can't wait to dive into it with you guys I probably shouldn't tell you about Sunset Lake CBD because we are running up against time. I'm going to throw it to Jonathan to tell us about Sunset Lake CBD.
4: I can do that. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located just outside of Burlington, Vermont. For years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm producing milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. In 2019, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. Sunset Lake CBD embraces Vermont's tradition for land stewardship by using a sustainable and regenerative farming techniques to build and protect healthy soils. They are 100% pesticide-free, use minimal tillage, and implement cover crops and crop rotations. They also serve as a research farm for University of Vermont agronomists to study hemp and inform best industry practices. Look, I've, I've said it before, and it's here in my drawer, and I can't quite get my hands on it, but I love their Hemp Balm. This, this salve balm thing, I use it on my hands uh, to ease the arthritis. And uh, I recommend that you check them out today at www.sunsetlakecbd.com. Use our cu- coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown. Was that quick enough?
1: That was great. And we would also like to tell you about Cash or Trade. We are coming up on summer tour here. It's the only secondary ticketing marketplace where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. Fans are able to DM each other before, during, and after a transaction. You can rate and review each other when the transaction is completed. There are no added fees to sell your ticket. All sales are protected by Cash or Trade's trader protection policy. So if something goes wrong, you can utilize that to guarantee your money back. Users can avoid purchase fees with a gold membership subscription. Please visit cashortrade.org to learn more. And with that, the last time that we will talk about 2.0 until the next time that we talk about 2.0. Thank you, guys. I want to thank you both for being open and willing to have this conversation. It means a lot to me. This is an era, as I said, that I love, and I'm really glad to have had this conversation with you guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening, for hanging here with us. We'll be back with sunny, optimistic, youthful, spry, goofy fish on Wednesday. Until then, see you all later. Bye,
3: everyone. Bye. Hey you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020. Where myself, Benny Goodman,